You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 397, brought to you by Eternal Warrior number one from Valiant Comics and iFanboy listeners like you. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way, I'd take back those words that'll hurt you, and you'd stay. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pickens Already Giggly Pick of the Week podcast, episode 397. I am Josh Flanagan, coming to you from the heat. Joining me is Paul Montgomery. What's up, players? Is it temperate where you are? It's a bit muggy. All right, there you go. And Jim Rushkowski. Ladies. <laughs> iFanboy. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Where's the guy? We're, something's different. Why is Jim? Wait. Is Connor on vacation again? I am not privy to such information. I only go where they send me. All right, here's the He's thing. on another vision quest. It's We can't talk about it. But what he's doing it's of grave national importance. That's that's I've said anyway, I've said too much. iFanboy.com is our website. It's about comic books. We did it because we like them and we read them because I don't know how you can like comics without reading them. I guess this whole subset of those people, they put them yeah. in, in plastic and whatnot. Either way, we're about reading them. We're about the stories, man. Every week we read a bunch of them. One of us gets the job of picking the one that they like best. We call that the pick of the week. A review goes up on Wednesday. Then we come here, we talk about that book. We talk about other books from the week. We answer some questions. Uh, there has been occasional tomfoolery. I won't uh, have it. No, that's, you that's will. Why they, that's why they sent me. Yeah. I'm like that Graham Chapman general that comes into the Monty Python sketch. This is silly, and except, I won't have it. Except he is, in fact, himself silly. You I just, just saw the script bomb in this part. Oh, really? And I, and I laughed. Uh, before we get going, uh, and this is Graham Chapman would want us to this is uh, spoilers. There's spoilers. Yeah, we won't have anyone spoiling Can spoilers. Can I talk about my book now? <laughs> if, please, we've got to do a bit. We don't have anyone spoiling stories before. If you haven't read your books, come back later. Paul, I can't, I can't tee Josh up to do an accent and have you start talking about the book. It threw me off. I'm not going to lie. Is that any way to kick off a podcast? It was not my best grandchild. I'm going to fire a haddock at you from a t-shirt <laughs> cannon. Um, this week, Paul had the pick. That's me. Um... And I wrote again about Indestructible Hulk. Uh, third time oh, this is third time this has been the pick of the week. Uh, second time I've made a pick of the week. Third time I've written about it overall. Uh, we've got a lot to say about the Indestructible Hulk. I was thinking about it, and if it weren't for Daredevil, uh huh, this would be a bigger book than it is. Because the thing is, we tend to think, man, that Mark Wade is really kicking butt on Daredevil. And and as I was reading this, and I saw that you made a pick, I thought, you know, this is something too. And we, we're because the other one's so good, it doesn't quite feel like it. It's yeah, like Scotty it, Pippen. I think it. I think it gets maligned as sort of an also ran. Uh, <laughs> it's his. It's his secondary book. It's in the sidecar, um, but you don't put Hulk in a sidecar. Daredevil has also been a high profile book for many years, whereas the Hulk has been kind of the middle child that nobody's really known what to do with for about the same amount of time. That's that's true, and and I, uh, you know, I've not, not like Aquaman. It's not that bad. <laughs> well, let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> well, the thing is, Mark Wade keeps coming up with great ideas for using the Hulk and using Banner. And 
Um, a lot of arcs, they say, I'm going to do I'm going to do a, a book where it's equal parts Hulk and equal parts Banner. And it's going to be all about the duality of these characters. And that's every single time somebody starts a Hulk run. And I think in this case, Mark Wade has done that. And it's the Banner stuff is just as interesting as the Hulk stuff. They're there in equal measure. This is kind of a Banner heavy issue, but Hulk also punches a plane. Um, so there's, so there's, it, that's there for you if that's all you want from a Hulk book. But, um, the thing that really struck me about this particular issue, which is Hulk, um, involved in some, some time wonkiness, some time stream hijinks, and it all ends up with, you know, the Hulk and, and Banner in a robot body, uh, like a drone in, uh, the, in the old West. Um, and there's some, some dinosaurs about, so it does get to that place, but before it gets there, I thought that. Something I think the, the most interesting thing about what Wade's been doing with this book is that so often the the best stories, the, the, the milestone runs that we talk about are the outliers, are the stories that tend to ignore the current status quo or just, you know, they don't want anything to do with the, the line-wide events. And, you know, it's going on right now with uh, Thor, God of Thunder, which is completely divorced from the rest of the Marvel Universe. Um, same thing with uh, Remender's Captain America run. And this is the complete opposite because Wade is actually embracing all of the stuff that's been going on lately in the Marvel Universe, even Age of Ultron of all things. So there's all this weird stuff going on with the time stream because the the, the Marvel heroes have meddled with uh, the past, uh, you know, one too many times, and now everything's going all wonky. So Wade is is embracing that, and the stuff going on with all new X Men is even, you know, referenced here. And so it's, I think, I think that's really impressive that it's he's not bogged down by continuity. He's actually using it to augment his story. Mm-hmm. He says even I a have, little, yeah. even a little bit of Red She Hulk, which uh, was nice to get a mention, considering that it's canceled and was like the lowest selling book of last month or whatever. It was nice to see for those, the three of us who did read it, it was nice to see uh, Betty touched upon. Briefly. Yeah. It's a little bit of meta commentary there in that like he's, he's saying, you know, you should get Betty for this. She'd be, she'd be great for this. I don't want to do this, but then he doesn't even remember. He's, he's starting to forget Betty's name um, because his, you know, the, uh, the time stream is affecting uh, cognition as well. And if they can just play Earth Angel and get Maria Hill <laughs> to kiss um, one of those other guys, then chances are the song will just perk back up and he'll remember. And there's just some some really fun time travel stuff. I mentioned the dinosaurs in the Old West, but then there's also the scene where they're talking the, to the Tomorrow Man, Zarko, who's down in the bowels of, uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in uh, the Time Bureau. Um, and, and, uh, he's talking to them and he says, I, I experience time in a different way than, than you do. And you see from his perspective, you know, Maria Hill in, you know, pantaloons and, um, in a geisha outfit and, and through all different time periods. And it's, it's all a little bit silly, but then the, for me, I think the idea that you're losing hold of your memories and losing hold of people that you care about. Um, and at least how you how you remember them that that's kind of scary. Well, yeah. I, th- I one of the things I thought was really impressive about this is that I know we we talk about Mark Wade a lot, but it almost seems like his powers are kind of limitless, and his hold on these sci-fi concepts. And this is pretty hard sci-fi, like this is this is yeah. full-on stuff, and he has a way of presenting it as as Paul you were saying that is a hundred percent committed, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And like, and the this was one of those things where I I am not one for first person narrative. I think it's overused, but there's touches of it in here that are really nice. Where you know, Zarko's like, I see things in a fourth dimension, and just in Banner's like time, like everybody's committed to that belief of this being a thing. And, mm-hmm. and he does this really well. It's, it's, it's actually where other people try to impress you with these kind of big concepts. Wade just sort of throws them out there sort of subtly. And I, I like it. It's a much, it's much more effective, I think. Yeah. And there's a, there's, you know, there's a lot of setup toward the end where we're talking about the Hulk going on this adventure into the time stream to fix all this stuff. And he's going with uh, an ROB unit, like a little probe droid that has the uploaded, memories from the past week for um for banner so that you have banner alongside the hulk at the same time and so they have like their little team up that they're going on uh where you get to have the wacky stuff like the 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 t-rex and the uh and the cowboys so and is it there's a big twinkie philosophy here if he reverts back to banner right uh that would be bad it would be bad and Uh, i'm sure we'll see hints of that as this the storyline progresses, no, I, th- I think they brought it up and it's never going to come up again. It's never going to happen again. Yeah, Chekhov's no. gone. Yeah, but uh, no, but then and then we also <laughs> everybody brings it up again. This is that the shit is old hat. This is the second arc for uh, Mateo Scalera. He did the the previous two issues, which were the Hulk teaming up with Daredevil, which were fantastic, and uh, he does some great stuff here. He does a great Hulk. It's it's not just a big posturing Hulk. It's he's always in motion. And I, I wrote in the written review that it, it looks like he's on a roller coaster all the time and his lips are like pulled back mm-hmm. and like this permanent rictus grin. And um, that, that is, he has that velocity, has that force that the Hulk has to have. They they also added or Wade also added an, a new wrinkle into like the one remaining Hulk rule that I thought I could count on, which was that the Hulk you get is entirely dependent on the circumstances of the transformation. Like right. what triggers it and whatever. And apparently there's like a chronal element to that too. But you know, like, Oh, sp- speaking of uploading memories, I officially have Marvel osmosis because I know what the time bureau is and who Zarko is, but I have no goddamn idea why. Cause I know I never read sixties Thor and I just it's somehow it's just in my mind. As Wade went back in time and he planted it. Into your <laughs> I can only I can only it. assume. If you're going to talk about uh, Scalera, which which you should, because he really he's he's one of these guys. Like I can't imagine that he's not going to be a superstar. And if he isn't, that's stupid. Uh, but the other side, Val Staples did a really really great job coloring this. And if yes. you sort of look, each color has each page has a has sort of a, a color theme to it, and it's very subdued. Uh, in in the right way, and it's just just the right palette for everything. There's there's greens, and then there's oranges and pinks, and 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 the whole thing has a really nice feel to it. Uh, it's just the right amount of coloring. I'm waiting for a review one day that just takes a chunk out of Val Staples' ass once and for all. Because <laughs> everybody <laughs> like people are so effusive with praise. Uh, you know, just every one one time, I want to hear somebody be like, "What were they thinking about?" I'm sh- I'm sure it's somewhere. This is early stuff. <laughs> no, there's early I stuff. I was thinking. <laughs> I will say again, uh, I feel obligated to do this, that this, this, what Mark Wade is doing here with the age of Ultron just goes to show why the age of Ultron was the world's perfect crossover. And all those people at San Diego were out of their goddamn minds. I think, Good. I think it's the ramifications of age of Ultron that are really interesting. Not necessarily. If you want to, if you want to do something with it, it's right there set up for you. If you want to pretend like it never happened, go for it. Pretend like it never happened. Won't cause any problems at all. <laughs> 
Well, I, and that's true of any event, though. I mean, you won't you have to deal with Colossus's fear hammer or whatever happened to the Juggernaut when Matt Fraction had him or whatever. Well, it's like Age of M with M Day too. I mean, it's it's, it's there's it, it ends with this pivotal event that I think has even more shockwaves than um, the event itself had. So. Um, we should also probably talk about the end of an era with Batman Incorporated number 13. Is Grant Morrison still writing Batman Incorporated? Not anymore. Is that what is the end of the era? Yeah, this, I, and I, I don't think the book exists without Grant Morrison. No, I was going to ask why it did exist, but I guess that's the answer. Well, there's that. a special they're going to be doing coming up, I think. So there's something more coming of this. Are they, are they going to, they're not going to put like Pete Tomasi on it or something, are they? Again. I don't know what they're doing with this, but it's, but this is to me is just like, this is the last vestiges of, of Grant Morrison's Batman. And, um, there, I think we're, I, for me, we had a great, Jeff did a great history of, uh, DC histories of Grant Morrison's Batman on the site. And, uh, I am not jealous of having to do that. <laughs> like that's, that's a lot, there's a lot of material to cover and, um, there's highs and lows. Uh, I don't think it, it quite ended on a high. Um, you know, I got to say, I have a hard time. I have a hard time distinguishing that anymore. Because when I read it, I'm just reading. I, all I'm thinking is, what is Grant Morrison thinking about Batman and comics in general right now? And even if I don't necessarily think it's the great thing, I've never have once failed to find it interesting. Sure. Um, I really, it's strange to me the... How the how the book exists both in continuity and nothing to do with continuity at the same time. I brought this up before. Like they had Damien Damien die in here, and he had to die yeah. everywhere else. But nothing else that happens in this book. <laughs> That's right. So why you're does never, that count? You're never going to see that cow does. again. Um, I love that. It was my favorite panel in the whole thing, by the way. Uh, he's he's let's see. The, yeah, the, yeah. Cow, the cow just moves. He says the... shut up, and then a, a cat meows. I don't know what that cat's doing there. They've accumulated a lot of animals in Batman Incorporated, so there's yeah. a lot of little sidekicks. And this this indicates that Jim Gordon, pretty clear on who Batman is. I, th- uh, I think it's kind of funny. Like at, at the end, he's like, "I always kind of knew." Um, <laughs> this sort of seals the deal on it, though. He's Batman. Yeah, that's what I, I think. had. A, yeah, he yeah, he'd have to have a head injury. I've I've written about this on the site, just from reading Scott Snyder. You could not put your police force in the hands of someone that stupid. Uh, if well, I mean, just go read it. This, I've, always, know, that's, I've always that's liked a suspension of disbelief con- conceit that we just uh, have all decided to go with, like Superman's glasses. Well, I've I've always liked the idea that it's like they're they're playing a little game. I, with each I think other. that's the best way to go, but I think it's actually best usually when it's unsaid. It's like the the last few years that you believe in Santa Claus and you, mm-hmm. you kind of go <laughs> through it. And yeah, this is I'm doing this I'm doing this for for mom and dad. They're doing it just for me, and then but like and then finally we just you know. Uh, I think I think you know the story coming out of this series is is uh, the ascension of of Chris Burnham uh, as the guy who really could fill Frank Quitely's shoes. They went through a bunch of guys, and then finally they got to Burnham, and it, it just he's not doing Quitely. I don't think it just happens that they have a very sympathetic styles. Um, and it, it's a you know if you think about when Batman and Robin started out, those first three issues were amazing. Uh, and and these have some of that same kind of odd energy, uh, and and that part's fun. I I gotta say I I've completely embraced it, it being wacky and and having no, be, being unable to put a finger on this Batman. The fact that he kisses Talia, 
and they go through this whole thing and the kiss lasts three pages i mean it's yeah and you get the, the batman incorporated members like fighting on top of like a globe yeah and it's just it's it's very broad very out there and again i mention this every time it's not really the batman that i want to read about but it's interesting yeah i think i liked it more but i'm also still very slowly reading through super gods so it, looking at it through that lens i find it i find it more interesting i, I, I love super gods it's, it's, it's really fantastic um another mark wade book daredevil number 29 uh courtroom drama to the extreme <laughs> yes there's a ticking bomb this was the most out there storyline i think that they've like it was it's really pretty bizarre it's really bizarre and and it's funny because wade is really sticking with the sons of the serpent thing they were in hulk they too. were in the hulk yeah he's gonna make a he's gonna make this this be a thing <laughs> I don't know, this wasn't like my favorite or best or best issue of Daredevil. It's kind of like they're in a box, you know, and, and there's a whole thing going on and everybody's against him. And I was like, well, this is a big problem. But, I, you know, I see how it sets up a storyline that, that uh, you know, that thing carry on for a little while and he's got to clean out the halls of justice. It was fine. I like, I like, <laughs> Your I like that it is overwhelming. I like that it does it does acknowledge that even though he has all these extrasensory powers, Daredevil is in fact blind. So when like they that, go right? by a door that says basement, he doesn't know what level he's on. He's like, well, there was that sign back there. He was like, oh yeah, I must have missed that. It was there's a lot going on. I just I missed, <laughs> I missed that sign. Um, I didn't get to brush my hand, my fingers across it. And yeah. So uh, I liked I liked where it. I liked where they left it at the end of last issue. That was a classic, like, how will Batman get out of it? Like they, yeah. the, the the classic last page where they're they're doing they're in the middle of, of a court proceeding and the judge just stands up and shoots the defendant. Uh it's yeah. Well if you, <laughs> yeah. if you look at this, if you just think about what kind of story this is compared to what kind of story is going on in Hulk, like yeah. you know, you'd think those are completely different writers. Which I, I like. Yeah. No, and and what what was interesting with the with the last issue that, that that cliffhanger is that you know Matt's helping out his friends you know in the in in court and he was and this guy is the the Tom Arnold the bully from from his childhood um, who's come to him for Are help. Are you about to reference the Tom Arnold Rick Moranis movie? Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's called, I think it's it called Bully. Been, yeah, it might have been called. Well, that there's a Harmony Crane movie by that. You don't want to mix those up, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there there was. There was a movie with Rick Moranis and uh, uh, Tom Arnold as his childhood bully. I think they were in a carpool together. Yeah, and they and they, and they grow up and so so right. Yeah. So so he was trying to help him out in this court case, and then the judge pulls out a gun and shoots him. And up until that point, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." I've been looking forward to maybe you know Wade doing an actual courtroom drama, like like an episode of The Good Wife or something, and and that might be a little bit fun after having this bullseye and an Iron Maiden you know arc. Um, with all these isotopes and things. And I was like, there's something different. And then, then, then the judge pulls out a gun. Um, so it's a, it's a little wacky. Um, but yeah, I, I like that too. Um, and I like the bomb scare. And this is, this is a uh, Javier, not, uh, not Chris Omni on art, yeah. but it looks a lot like Chris Omni. In fact, I was, mm. I was fooled for a little bit. Oh no, no. <laughs> Sorry. Isn't this, this is like the colorist. He came in. I gotta say, that's some range for a colorist. You can say whatever you want about Val Staples, but I don't see him <laughs> filling in on pencils for the next issue. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Maybe he wants to. Maybe I just struck a nerve. All right, dads. Let's talk about Animal Man number two. 
Animal Man. Did you Annual, read this? Number two. Did you I'll, read this? I'll, I'll listen about it. I did. Okay. How's that it's sound? fine. <laughs> I got to say, uh, this probably would have been my pick of the week. Really? Okay. Uh, as a dad, uh, I was extremely touched. Yeah. I, I may have even, I may have even shed a tear or two. I like that this is a sweet kind of heartwarming story about Animal Man and his recently deceased son with the mullet, Cliff. Um, but through the creepy, creepy lens yeah. of Animal Man and Travel Foreman. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Travel Foreman back, at least for this annual. I, I, it, that was the most exciting thing coming out of uh, the New 52 um, this weird book with this weird art style, art style that wasn't for everybody, um, and I and I totally get that. But it's just really creepy and weird. And there's a crazy spider lady who eats your dreams. Yeah, I liked that part. That it was it was it was actually a horror book. Yeah, you know, at, at the same time, which is which feels really right for this to me. Like I feel like this fits, especially with Foreman doing the art. Um, but the sort of flashback bit of it and the the sweet part of it was. It was it was totally uh... the the last page, you know, that that last panel where and basically to spoil it, Animal Man goes back to this spider queen lady who had previously fed on his son's dreams um, to see if she had any residual bit of of Cliff's consciousness that he could see, like could see his son's happiest moment. Um, because he misses him, he's and they talk about in the beginning. He talks about there being this, this little boy-sized void in his life, because um, he had everything. He had this 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 wife that he loved. He had a son and a daughter, and now the son is gone, and nothing can fill that. So he's he's going to the ends of the earth to to find this this spider creature and say, I want to see what he saw when he was having his his you know sweetest dreams. And then you see Animal Man curled up in a fetal position in a spider web, um, like in in agony, but then also relief to be connected with his son again in a way. It's I, I it's I just it's a weird confluence of things, and and I really like that that it that it's it's heartwarming but also deeply disturbing. It sounds like it's entirely in keeping with the Animal Man I read when the New Fifty Two kicked off, and I know yeah. that. People were big fans of that. Uh, did it merit an annual? Well, this is the second annual, so there was a, there was they an all, annual. They all before. get one. They all get. That's one. That's like oh. saying, does it merit a series? <laughs> I think it's a. Yeah, I think I it's a. So. I think it's a good moment to chronicle for an annual. I didn't. I didn't love all of the writing in this. Um, like some of the dialogue was just weird. I. I, I kind of also like that his his uh, uh, police detective, police chief friend. Uh, like is an idiot. Like, like, he's kind of dumb. Like he's. <laughs> I like that they live in like they basically live in Middle Earth, where this <laughs> creature will come out from it's nowhere. Like Shalobe comes out. And they and... don't really. They're like, yeah, no, we sent him back in his sewer. It's okay. That's exactly the voice <laughs> that I hear that character speaking. Yeah, like, that's. I don't and... care. Hey, man, no, don't worry. No, I put them back in there. It's fine. Don't worry about. Yeah, it. but like the, the, it's it's funny because this is this is definitely not Commissioner Gordon. This is not. No, you know this guy wouldn't have a clue who Batman was. Exactly, he would have known. Batman would walk out of the room, idea. and then Bruce Wayne walk back in, big bruise on his face. So you know, Same maybe spot. maybe he's Superman. I don't know. You, uh, you see, you, you missed you missed Batman. He was right here. <laughs> I don't know. About, I mean, uh, I don't know about that, sir. I just I think that's a, I think that's an interesting character choice that the, that the police chief is an idiot. That's 
<laughs> um, That's why we need animal men. New from Vertigo, Collider number one. This was a hell of a thing, wasn't it? I read I, this. I, I, good, why don't you tell us what you think about it? <laughs> right. you, why, I, you decide to read I, something, I guess you go ahead and talk I, about it. Uh, I couldn't remember. Like All I really knew about it was that it was a number one and that I was doing this. Yes. And uh, number ones tend to do well around these here parts. So I, I gave it a try, and I, I found it very imaginative. I thought it was kind of uh, – it reminded me a little bit of how Ghostbusters was pitched back in the 80s, like in Dan Aykroyd's crazed – Were you in the room? No, but like I, I – when I was a kid, they I used bought to – room. <laughs> I used to read obsessively about the mm-hmm. things, things like this. Like it wasn't enough to see the movie. I had to read about the movie and, you know, taste – you know, Dan Aykroyd's I parents. find, I find that, and this is after a lot of experience, that only leads to. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Let but, go a uh, little bit, everyone. But uh, yeah, like originally Dan Aykroyd's alien probed brain had written like this 300 page script that was set slightly in the future and hauntings were normal and Ghostbusters were like uh, the Orkin man as far as people, like no, there was nothing odd about it at all. And this, this kind of reminded me of that same thing. Like, it's take it's a given that the fundamental laws of physics are breaking down and people just sort of call 911 and report it as an emergency for the physics department or whatever yeah, it's, they, a, it's a little blue collar i mean like it doesn't feel like you know all polished like the men in black or anything it's blue collar is a perfectly succinct way to abbreviate everything i just said <laughs> so they they come out and they deal with it there's this school right and there's there's a gravity problem gravity is not working the way it, it should be and they go into a thing and there's some stuff going on. I I think there's a lot of big concepts in here that are that are very interesting, and I'll be I'll be following this. Um, I just hope that there's a bit more character stuff to dig into because I don't really know who these guys are yet. I can give you that. Uh, did you either of you ever read uh, the Exterminators? It reminded I, me I, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like I read the first what, trade. I thought right. I had bought volume one, and it turned out I had bought volume four, which oh, it happens things up a little bit. But still, yeah. I get what you're saying. Well, no, this is Simon Oliver. I haven't seen him on a comic uh, series since since The Exterminators. So when I saw it was his name on it, I was very excited. He was supposed to do a run of Hellblazer, and it never came together mm. uh, for whatever reason. And also, Robbie Rodriguez, uh, very much, by the way, in the Mateo Scalera uh, camp, I think, uh, is another guy who I've seen uh, from doing uh, SketchUp and, and doing those kind of things. And, and I really like that style a hell of a lot, too. It reminded I, me a little I, bit of that Captain Marvel artist we liked so much an arc ago. Philippe Andrade. Yeah, ah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, um, I can see it too. All those things you guys said, the sort of, uh, I love the the huge concept brought into every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This is just a thing. Because the thing is, we we have, as, a, as like a population of people who have this routine of our lives, we have no choice but to assimilate whatever else is going on and make it normal in our minds. Mm-hmm. Or we'll lose our shit. So the idea that, that gravity breaking down every once in a while and them having to fix it like it would just... Eventually, it would get to be a thing like, ah, power's out. Damn it. You right. know, like, and, and I, that's, a, that's a wonderful look at how things is because you can't, you know, everybody isn't going to necessarily lose their shit. They're going to the first time, but eventually they're going to get used to it. Um, eventually, they're going to shout thing. we and jump into the anomaly. Yeah. Um, I, this is a great, this is, the, this is the best first issue I've read from Vertigo in a long time. Uh, this, is, this is just my style. I can't remember the last first issue from Vertigo I read. Well, it would be The Wake. But um, oh yeah, that's why we keep you around. Yeah, usually I don't remember things like this. I'd be like, I don't know. It hasn't what, been any stories. What didn't I like about the colors? 
I don't know what you didn't like about the because I didn't really mind the colors. Okay, I th- I just I, I, I think they felt a little okay. bit flat. I don't have the, I don't have flat. the vocabulary for this, but I want to say '90s Taco Bell cup. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. It's here's um, the thing. Here's what, here's what you're seeing. I okay. think that they only chose a couple. There's a blue palette and a pink palette, basically. That's pretty much all that's going on here. All right, I'm with you. And they they decide to keep it to just a few, but those two colors definitely feel like they clash with each other. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's it's like a blue shirt and salmon pants. It's, it doesn't. There doesn't are just there over. are a lot of stark blue backgrounds and stark pink backgrounds, and it feels to me a little bit like it's unfinished. Like, do you know what it feels like to me? It feels to me like a stylistic video game color palette. Mm-hmm. I could see a game, something like this, something like Mirror's Edge, okay. put into this color palette. Mm-hmm. And if you look, there's a couple of the really nice, uh, uh, there's some shots of the cars and the rain at night. Yeah. That stuff is great. Just Yeah, there's some really striking images. Overall, there's, there's some pages that, and also, is there no, no ink on this? Is this? Because you see a lot of raw pencil. I don't. Um, I don't have it in. I don't have it in front of me right now. So. Bobby Rodriguez, you know, is pretty pretty loose and scratchy. Uh, I mean, the only thing about this, this is the kind of art that I absolutely adore, but it's the kind that no one else seems to. At least, no one, you know, in sort of the larger audience. Okay, so this podcast is brought to you by Eternal Warrior Number One, and that goes a little something like this: Across ten millennia and a thousand battlefields, Jalad Anipada has traversed the darkest, most mysterious corners of history. But the horror and bloodshed of constant warfare has finally taken its toll on the man myth calls the Eternal Warrior. And he has abdicated his duties as the first and the steel of Earth for a quiet life of seclusion. But when a blood vendetta from the distant past suddenly reappears in the modern day, he must decide if he will return to the ways of war for the child who betrayed him thousands of years ago. Soldier, guardian, warrior, legend... It all starts on September 11th when Greg Pak and Trevor Hairstein begin an all-new campaign for Valiant's most feared immortal in Eternal Warrior number one. Okay, so here's my editorial part about that ad. Yeah. Does not sound very funny. No. <laughs> but well, at the same time... I think he would take himself very seriously. It does. It just sounds very serious without a hint of irony. Uh, at the same time, I would pay you to read ads like that for me in a way I have. But That's right. also, uh, also, uh, Greg Pak has done nothing uh, but prove uh, his 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 worth and his value. This uh, sounds like it's right in the wheelhouse of the uh, Planet Hulk author. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that that's you should you should look into that. Yeah. But we also have him to thank for Hercules and Amadeus Cho. So who the hell knows where the yuck yucks are going to come he's, from? He's got he can he can do a Nazi concentration store cramp story, or he can do a silly silly uh, Hercules story. Nazi concentration cramp, I love it. Um, <laughs> concentration cramp. Let's, I'm leaving uh, it right where the it concentration was. cramp was a very specific set of not, uh, experiments. Please stop. Uh, um, ordered, ordered by Goebbels. Please, please stop. Um, Flash annual number two. Um, it's, it's a big week of annuals, uh, and I wanted this, to talk about... The Batman annual left me wondering a lot about what the nature of an annual is, what it is supposed to be for. It's a special. That's why I... It's a... It's a is it's it? A, it's a celebration. Was it was, was fl- an artist? It, it was by, uh, Sammy Basri, but, um, he was, he was... Story by a different artist. He was uh. doing kind of a, kind of a, uh, what's his face? Um, Francis Manipal. Mm. Um, so it, it fits very much. 
uh, in that milieu, but uh, gorgeous, absolutely beautiful, very colorful book. And I really like this. This, and I'm talking about the the main feature, which is by Brian Bucoletto and uh, Sammy Basri. There's also a backup by uh, Dubuk and Cully Hamner. And um, this felt to me like sort of like a lost episode of Justice League Unlimited, and it's very just refreshingly lighthearted uh, buddy adventure for Barry Allen and Hal Jordan, and it's sort of their their first meeting, uh, which is a a much more pleasant first meeting than the Justice League book um, from the New Fifty Two, and and just the thing is, it mm. just it feels like pre New Fifty Two stuff. It's because it's it's fun. And it's not people grimacing all the time. And um, it's uh, something that you could give to a younger reader and and they would fall in love with these characters. I've noticed that the highest praise you can give a DC book is comparing it to the animated shows or pre-New 52. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, like I think Connor has mentioned that the one of the best venues for superhero stories is animation not even mm-hmm. comics. Like we love superhero comics. We continue to enjoy them, but animation is just sort of like the perfect fit. They um, also seem to be, this is incredibly subjective. It seems to me like the people who they have in charge of doing at least DC and Marvel animation right. have a much better handle on the idea of all ages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what that means and how to make it enjoyable for actually all ages. Uh, it's something kids can like. It's something that like, comics can't do it. For comics not- can either make something that 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 you know that makes Alan Moore go, "That's too serious," or or just something that's stupid. For an alternative view on that, uh, check out our special edition podcast on Justice League: The Flashpoint Paradox, which you should not share with your children. Yeah, that also. <laughs> oh, um, speaking of things that you might not want to share with your children, sex number five. Here's the thing I've noticed: penis. I did notice that. It yeah. was a big old schwang. Read this one in the office. There, <laughs> not a good idea. There seems to be a, 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 a lot of porno comics coming out of Image ever since a guy I know started working there. Uh-huh. I wasn't going to draw the lines. I was, I'm saying, you know, um, before he even went over there, he was all like, yeah, Black Kiss is good. So clearly the guy <laughs> yeah, had an agenda. <laughs> I have a Black Kiss issue, uh, like, a, like a comp issue sitting in my office that I had to move. Yeah. I right. was like, oh, that can't, that can't be there. And put that's that, not a lot. Okay. Put now, that down in the uh, stack a little bit. I've made the jokes. Uh, but here's the thing is yeah. that there's never sex in this book that's actually consummated. Yeah, right. <laughs> the guy never gets to like. There's not actually. It's called sex, but it really never quite happens for him. I believe dude, on Orange Is the New Black, they refer to that as edging. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I think this is the best book that Joe Casey's done in as long as I can remember. I think it's fantastic, and I know that it's adult, and I think people either can or can't accept the idea of like how what that means. Uh, but it's 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 really good. It's fascinating. It's it's another sort of look at at the superhero that I haven't seen. I, I really like it. I, I before this week, I would have called it the worst titled book in the marketplace. And ne- after this week, I don't know if I whether I would change that or not. Uh, I, I mean, it is like it's supposed all of the things. I that just you, yeah, I like how in your face it is. Yeah, I mean, and that's I mean, that's that's joking. I guess I guess I'm waiting to see like it doesn't seem to me that that's what the book is about. But but it is. It is. It's yeah, all maybe. about. Well, that. it's also. It's Literally. also. I think also just to get a little meta here is. I think when you pick up the book and you feel uncomfortable about it, that puts you in the shoes of Simon, the main character. 
mm-hmm. that this guy is totally uneasy and yeah, he's been neglecting a part of himself yeah. for a good long that's while. That's a good way of putting it. I saw that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That part that part just springs out. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's, there's also people. There's also people who have, no. who have said that this is uh, kind of a slow burn comic, and 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 I yeah. think that's and and I think also kind of a slow jam comic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think this is. I think this is also going to read really well in in like a collection. Oh yes, I, think, I agree. Uh, I think our friend. Uh, I think our friend Sony is doing a fantastic job on the design of it. Absolutely, it's a great looking book. It's it's really very good, and I'm I'm more impressed by it every time. It's all about character, and so mm-hmm. I love that. Um, yeah, this will never succeed, but there you go. <laughs> Jim, talk about Guardians of the Galaxy number five. I don't know whether I was in an amazing mood last night or whether the book put me in an amazing mood, but I wanted to submit uh, a best panels feature that was just a duplicate of this book. I believe like, it. It's beautiful. For, I, I did it in the, I, I read it in the hated, uh, uh, what do you call it? Guided view that you guys don't go uh, for. And I do. On what device? On an iPad. Why would you do that when you could see because the whole page? Because it allows me to page. zoom into the art and appreciate it. See, I'm one of these people who had a bad habit of reading the word balloons and not really paying attention to the art and finding that I was one of those people who went through an issue in a three and a half minutes or whatever. Right. So I found that back back in the old ink and paper days, if I used a magnifying glass, it forced me to focus my attention I remember like you telling my goldfish like uh, uh, d- penchant for distraction was was cut down by this, and now guided view holds that does that it same focuses thing. Focuses you that that makes yes. sense. I, I buy that. Don't I like guided view. I get me. that. Who drew well, this? Uh, Pacelli, right? Oh, no. It's the new artist, Sarah Pacelli, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. And there's some. Uh, and I it's mean, not like I've never seen Pacelli before. Does you know a great I mean? raccoon. Yeah. Does a great raccoon? Does a great Angela? <laughs> A wonderfully no, expressive no Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 there's, there's a sequence where this, this cuddly raccoon is making Tony look like a moron because he's never even heard of the tools he needs to repair his armor that the raccoon can you know, pull out and use in five minutes flat. And every look on Tony's face, I wanted to frame for some reason. Did you make the armor look terrible still? Uh, it was in pieces at the time. Okay. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. There's a, and there's also a, a great fight scene between uh, Angela and uh, Gamora. Uh, oh, wow. Love that character. Angela, still no idea what is important or special about her, but nope. you don't need to. She's uh, mad. She doesn't want to be there. Yes. She's been pulled from some other dimension. Oh. If you, if you know who she is, it's probably amazing. If you don't know who she is, you're fine. That's because the Age of Ultron was the best event of the 21st century, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> Uh, but I, I I need to I am sorry I need to have a diversion here for a second because I need yeah. to go back to this. Do you read all your books in guided view? Uh, do you really need to know how the sausage is made, Josh? I could talk. No, about I'm curious. That. Uh, what I'll typically do is I will look at the page as a whole and then I will zoom in. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see. Yeah, I have it both see, ways. And this is this is totally a comic. Now, how do you handle this? Art? Bendis is addicted to the double page spread of. Oh, I know. You know, it gets like you need a I, microscope for your uh, iPad. I used to. I can read now. I can read it on an iPad because I used to read it on a Kindle. Oh dear. And the Kindle was was just. Ugh. But the iPad, I can deal with it, and I can just I'll pinch zoom a little bit if I need to. I don't like, like a Kindle Fire, not like an Etch a Sketch Kindle. Yeah, no, yeah, Kindle Fire. <laughs> Wait, like, do yeah. people yeah. do that? No, which I know is, there's just, there's a buying option to do that. The like, Kindle Fire is just. 
is just adequate to read a Yeah, comic. I had a Kindle Fire for a day, and I returned it. Yeah, no, they're an awful machine. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, as a, as a person who's dabbled in the in the art of creation of comic books, I find that the most challenging and interesting thing about a comic book page is how it works as a whole, how it's yeah. comprised, how the panel transitions are going, how the storytelling works in that page. And I feel like if you zoom into the panels like that, and I get why they started doing it, but because phones, I, I guess. <laughs> Excuse me. If you if you zoom into that, you're you're unless it was done like that on purpose. Right. Yeah. Every once in a while, every once in a while, there'll be a panel that was so small on the page that like the dude just drew two dots for eyes or whatever. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't I should not be doing what I'm doing right now. But, uh, you know, like I said, I I try to take it as a whole and then I'll 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 zoom in on particular things. I also recognize, though, that the that the comic book page, as we know it. Uh, is going to die, and I hate that so much. It it's like it's like the people who don't like music recorded on a digital board or whatever. Like it's I just mm-hmm. I've spent so much time trying to understand the comic book page. Anyway, that's a that's a diversion. Wheel. Well, yeah, we could go down the private eye road and yeah, talk about all that. Uh, stuff. But Guardians of the Galaxy was very good. You should read it. It's pretty. Yeah. It's fun. It's Tell fun. me about yeah. this Tom Strong that you you went in for and I did not. Tom Strong and the Planet Apparel number one. Um. I've always like kind of you know liked Tom Strong. I li- I like that idea, and I like that it's a it's a golden age sort of concept. And and I've I guess I came into you know reading comics as an as an adult reading the um, Jeff Johns Justice Society of America book, um, which was steeped in all this kinds of stuff. And I like that this is golden agey without all of the jingoism and embarrassing racism of actual golden age stuff. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> it's just, I can, I can read this like with, without guilt and enjoy it. This and I, great. Oh, and, he said darkies. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. You can have your Tintin and eat it. There's a thing I was talking about with Tintin, but, but yeah, so this is, yeah. So this is, um, it's, it's great. And it's a great, um, you know, you know, interracial family. And this is a really wonky idea for this story is that, his daughter Tesla is pregnant, and the the baby daddy is an alien who is like the human torch on fire all the time, and so is the baby. So under duress. So when at high points of stress, the baby will go on fire in inside the mom, and that that's a problem medically that's a, that's speaking. A, that's what we like to call a metaphor for those of us who spend time around pregnant women. And I have no comment so, and so, so, so Tom Strong has to figure out how to deal with this. So they put her in sort of a chamber, which is going to take care of this for a little while um, and, and, and keep her calm and sedate and not on fire. And he's got to go to an alternate reality planet that he knows of where there's another Tom Strong who takes a serum that makes him invulnerable. And if he can get that serum and share it with his daughter, she can be invulnerable and get through this pregnancy okay. And the interesting thing about this other planet where this alternate Tom Strong is, is that whatever happens on that planet, for whatever reason, is chronicled on Earth in actual comic books. So it's sort of like that that uh, Will Ferrell movie, The Stranger Than Fiction, yeah. where whatever he does, it's mirrored in a comic book on another planet. And But Tom Strong finds out that they've stopped printing these comics a few years ago. So there, So does that mean that the planet blew up? What happened on that planet? So... He goes there and he finds out that it's under martial rule and we haven't actually touched down on the surface of the planet yet, but something weird is going on. And um, I think Alan Moore stopped writing them. That's true. Right. By the way, did happened. you tell, did you say who made this happen? This 
is Peter Hogan and uh, Chris Sprouse. Ah. Now, this uh, now Paul, have you read the the Alan Moore stuff? Uh, I read the first trade, and actually, after I read this, and I've and I've read Scattered Issues since then, and like the last Peter Hogan uh, book uh-huh. miniseries, um, I actually went and ordered the deluxe edition of the Alan Moore stuff. Oh, it's gorgeous. So yeah, I'm, I gotta say, I'm looking at this, and uh, it looks like Sprouse has loosened up a little bit. It's a mm-hmm. little rougher. Which I don't necessarily like. Colors by Jordi Belair are good to go. They act, and the 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 lettering is actually really um, specific to this book, uh, and they've still got Todd Klein doing it, which is rad. I, th- I think it looks great. Um, yeah. And then obviously the comic books are actual comic books that, like Terra Obscura, mm-hmm. and those ABC comic books. Um, and so like they're actually I don't know photo referenced or photoshopped into it, but um, it it gets very meta. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. All right. Uh, let's whip through the rest of these. The Wake number three came out. Uh, I didn't put this on the list, so. It was pretty that, – that book has got range. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm just waiting for it all to come together. I'm giving Scott Snyder the kind of leeway I would never give Grant Morrison Did, because I'm, I'm trusting him to pay it off in a way that a dum-dum like me will understand. Well, this is, this is second act action off. stuff. Did the last issue leave off just before this stuff? Because I feel like – I skipped something. I don't mind that. I yes, like, oh, you might have had a you might have had a Mars-sized curveball thrown at you. Yeah, uh, that put you off your game. But yes, the the Killer Mermaid was in the process of hypnotizing people at the end of the last issue. That's right. So, it was sort yeah. of it was at the it was at the slow, sexy seduction part of the monster attack, and then we skip forward to the adrenaline rush. We got to get out of here. And I like the fact that it, it tricked me a couple of times where you get into a scene and then a character turns out to be the mermaid, um, fooling everyone with, with its its eye sacs full of neurotoxins. And then and apparently the all stakes. Yeah. And then at some point uh, we'll be 200 years in the future or something. And the fact that Mars used to have water on it will come into play at some point. But I mean, this is this is like the, the you know, uh, great movies that they don't really necessarily make anymore. Yes. Like, like Alien, like the original Alien and uh, The Thing. Um, not the remake of The Thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> the original thing. Well, I guess it's like the remake of The Thing too. But um, I, I like that it, it keeps you guessing and, and it, uh, it it feels like a cool 80s uh, horror movie. Yes. I will say I just saw John Carpenter's The Thing for the first time about a month ago or whatever. And The Thing... With the blood was I, I can't remember the last time a movie from 1982 took me like struck me as that imaginative. It was probably 1982 when it happened. I'm going to make you move on now. Let's yes. uh, cover Uncanny X-Men number nine. Uh, uh, the one I'm, uh, the one I'm not reading. What do this is the one you're not reading? Oh, they're out of the two. You mean there's a lot of X-Men books. I'm reading. Yes, there are a lot of X-Men books and there's going to be more. Uh this one centers on uh, the idea that Shield has recruited Dazzler. Yes, and is the Brian Wood one. No, no. This is the this is the this other Bendis one? It's Bendis and Bachelo. Right. Yes. This is Swing in the his gold classic balls. in his classic New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, telling two sides of the same story. It's like crack to me. Your mileage may vary, but um, I've found historically, I like one side. yeah well if you if i i tend to like the one side and then i read the other side and and let it frustrate me and that's what this book is um but uh i don't know what i think about the idea that a pop star is now a 
agent of the world's most secretive organization. I don't like, but I guess I'd have to know a little bit more about what it is Dazzler, what, what role Dazzler fits in their TMZ world. Like, is she Lady Gaga? Is she Kylie Minogue? Well, <laughs> like, I don't what, know if they'll really? get that specific, but there, but there is a, 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 a woman, I guess, I guess the sister of the gold balls kid mm-hmm. in San Diego, um, comes out with the Dazzler, the movie poster. Um, it says, oh, oh this is you. And like, she's trying to, she's trying to do her thing and be serious shield agent. And okay. So parting word on this is that my only real problem with this book, I, I enjoy it. There's a lot of blonde women that look exactly the same. Well, yeah. Got a little bit of a bachelo problem there. There's a, there's a slight bachelo problem. I have, I have trouble discerning between Emma Frost, Dazzler and <laughs> the, the cuckoos. One of the, one of the, one of the uh, I stepped on that and it deserved better. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the Stepford Cuckoos dyed her hair this issue. Maybe that's why. It was um, simple. Yeah. I like that. But, the other uh, you know, now that, now that I think about it, if you were trying to convince teenage mutants to join your side, you could do worse than having a pop star be the ambassador of, well, yeah. I got to give it to that Maria Hill. She knows what she's doing. And then Cyclops calls her the Uncle Tom of Mutants, which yeah. made the rounds on the comic. That's episode. a little loaded. Chris Claremont had Kitty Pride use the N-word once in yeah. an argument. I saw that. That came up this week. Uh, oh, did it? Yeah. So we're, we're user gonna, reviews. To move on. <laughs> Why? You don't want to talk about the N-word at great length on your podcast? That's not even it, okay, but it's talking. a good reason also. User reviews. Uh, top five picks of the week. Number five, Animal Man Annual. Number two, got a 9.3%. Four, The Flash Annual. Number two, 10.3%. Number three, Optic Nerve, number 13, 13.5%. Two, Daredevil, uh, number 29, 16.1%. Number one, Batman Incorporated, 20.1%. Batman Incorporated, number one, just before we move on, has fluctuated. It's gone all around the map in terms of the percentage points. Like it was at at 0.3, and then it was at 20, and then it was at like 0.5, and then then the last time I checked, it was at 20.1% again. So it's all over the place. Um, let's take a look at some of the user reviews. Um, Cabernet Franck wrote of Optic Nerve number 13, story five out of five, art five out of five, pick the week percentage again, 13.5%. This issue mirrors the format of the last with three short stories across a range of drawing styles and tones. The initial one pager is the funniest, a self-deprecating auto bio strip showcasing, uh, Tomine's luditism, but the real punchline arrives on the letters page. The largest story, Owls, tells of the relationship between two alcoholic losers from uh, wary beginning to pathetic end. The characters are flawed and troubled, but so human and naturalistic that they become likable regardless. The, f- the final story is a first-person narrative of anxiety and young motherhood told with stunning images of the blandness and uniformity of air travel Tomine can draw, and he's a master study of character. This is a great, highly recommended $6 package and strong candidate for single issue of the year. I, I, if this, this and Hulk were like vying for pick of the week. <laughs> and I was like, this is the weirdest problem anyone that's, has ever had. That's range. Ultimately, I had more to say about uh, Indestructible Hulk. Uh, I think I liked the previous issue of Optic Nerve a little bit more when it came back, came out way back in September of 2011. Um, but great cartooning, great slice of life stuff. Um, and yeah, I think uh, you should go out and grab it if you can find it. I always liked the way it looked, but it was always just a bummer. The first, yeah, it, it, this one particularly is is kind of a bummer. Yeah, um, I just that's not and the, the um, go ahead. Let's move along. Yeah, uh, uh, Charlie Sherpa read Captain Midnight number one um, by my friend Josh Williamson, 
Uh, gave a story of four out of five, and the art of four out of five. Pick three percentage was two point two percent. The skull face time traveling Nazis, check. Nazi eating polar bears, check. Joshua Williamson's dialogue propels the first issue forward with sufficient thrust in his layouts. Artist Fernando Dagnino rightly takes dramatic advantage of the available swooping and climbing and diving. Meanwhile, colorist Ego, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it's no Johnny Christmas. Subtly recasts moods and scenes via palette changes between pages. Together, they're delivered a quick takeoff and potentially on, on a potentially engaging run for this title. He's not so willing this- to say it is engaging. This this is a, this is this is a longer review. I had to to find you know. The He's best been hurt before. Sounds like this and Optic Nerve are basically the same book. Yes. I, in no ways no. is that true. But yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. Uh I read the zero one, but I actually didn't get to this one yet, and I'm sorry. Okay. So, uh, it, all of those things that he said are right. It's got time traveling Nazis and a World War II here. It's very pulpy. It's it's a golden age character that's been brought into the into the modern this age. This is Dark Horse, right? Yep. yep okay, Dark so this Horse. is the part of that pulp resurgence over at Dark yep. Horse. It's a bunch of different characters. But uh, Josh keeps getting better and better, so it's, uh, it's, it's a good book. If this sounds like your kind of thing, it is your kind of thing. Josh, if I wanted to take up the French horn, mm-hmm. um, where should I buy a French horn? Well, before you did that, I would tell you that if you wanted to uh, rate and review books, you go to ifanbo.com slash comics, and you can put stuff up. Uh, there you can pull your books, you can rate them, and then uh, if you write a review, then we will read that on the show if it is correctly placed for various reasons. Josh, then if I, I would wanted tell you... to buy a new <laughs> supportive co-host that helped me out when I jumped ahead of things in the script, uh, where would I go to buy one of those? Uh, first of all, I'm not for sale. But if I was, there would definitely be a page on Amazon.com that you would go to. And to get to that, we recommend you go to ifanboy.com. Clash Amazon, uh, a speech impediment there, uh, and 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 buy the thing there so that we can get. Say that you buy um, what would essentially be a a person, uh, whatever fee that you decided was that we would get, we would get some small percentage of that. What uh, would and, happen? Yes. if someone bought a copy of Astro Van by Josh Flanagan through the iFanboy Amazon link, I would get about sixty cents. And then Ooh. maybe another two cents. Would you get more money through iFanboy or more money through <laughs> just <laughs> I, I honestly don't know where the work. money for iFanboy goes. Yeah, I don't know. I either. certainly don't get it. <laughs> um It's like being John Malkovich. It just it just spits out like over the interstate somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I assume it's being collected somewhere and then someday I'll get a check for eighty five dollars. I think that's what will happen. You wanna take a look at some of those audience questions? Let's do let's do one. I'll do this first one. Does that Go sound good it. to you? Sure. Yeah, okay. the other one wants to know what good statues we like, and I don't know what good statues. Yeah, we're not the crowd for that. Okay. Yeah. The best statue ever is uh, uh, the Dark Knight Returns statue. We're saving up some of our best it's questions it. for episode 400. That's so. right. So, Tyler from Yonkers writes in. How do I not read this like this? Ant-Man <laughs> doesn't really have much of a rogues gallery. If any. And now we know that Ultron's going to be in Avengers 2 without Hank Pym, according to Whedon. Which villain you think is uh, best suited to be the big bad for the Ant-Man solo film? Uh, keep up the great work. Thanks from Yankus. I think it would be really funny if the bad guy in Ant-Man was just like a cat. <laughs> I was waiting to see whether this was going to be a race to the word boot man or not. Uh, uh, Borax man. 
Borax is a soap-based chemical. Yes. Oh, I know. Is, is a non-toxic ant poison. It took me a second, but yeah. So, no, but I mean, like, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Do you, do you know any Ant Man characters? Like any Ant Man yeah, villains? Yeah, Janet Van Dyne. Well, Ant Ant Man hasn't had a book in my lifetime. I don't think. Well, unless you count uh, Kirkman's run. Which the rumor was that that's what this was based on and it was going to be that character. But then we've since been told, I think Edgar Wright has said that it's going to be Hank Pym. So I just found out this movie comes out in November 2015. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I like. Yeah, it's a long time for them to figure it out. How about about Loki again? Loki's good. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm only half joking. Like they don't seem to have any problem getting Hiddleston into that outfit. He seems to be having a good time. Yeah, he's a really but, good screen villain too. I like that. Here's guy. the thing: it's weird when he does it in public. I gotta be honest. I like it. It's weird. I mean, like I get it. People are like, oh, that's fun. So you, you don't, you don't like Andrew Garfield getting all. It's a little him. children's birthday party. Yeah, that was <laughs> the thing. I, I just, I picture a really long, serious sigh just before stepping out there, and the absence <laughs> of that sigh indicates some sort of problem. Right. Like, this is not why I studied at the Queen. Step up, children. Party. Pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> like, he flashed forward to a certain extent. He saw himself sitting at one of those sad, sad tables next to Virgil, who's 105 years old at the time, and just thinking, I can't, this, this can't be all there was. Oh, Virgil. Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to this question because even though I'm, I, I like Hank Pym a lot as a great character, no idea. I mean, Ultron, He would probably have to do AIM or, well, Ultron. AIM. <laughs> What do we know about Hank Pym? We know that he has shrinky powers. We know that he may or may not take a swing at the ladies. And we know that he is a super scientist. And I don't think that using those first two will be a great advantage to anybody. So they'll probably set him up with a villain that uh, either uses his his uh, inventions for evil, a la, a la Armor Wars, or you know some other kind of scientist supreme thing. Edgar Wright is primarily a comedy director, though. Has he done a thing that's not comedy? Uh, I guess Scott Pilgrim is a comedy. Yeah, but it's like a hot fuzz. I don't know. So, no. I mean, like, so, I don't know. Is this going to be his? What if it's like the movie where Greg Kinnear is the guy who invented, like, like windshield wipers, but then, like, they don't, you know, give him the money for it and they try to steal his idea? And so, like, what if, what if, like, Hank Pym, like, comes up with, like, you know, Pym Particle stuff, and then Sam Rockwell from Iron Man 2 comes in, and he's like, is he still alive? I don't, I think he went to jail. Okay. Well, I don't ever want to see him in a movie. (laughs) But I love the the, the fake tan on his hands. That was. We have to settle whether or not that guy likes his bird. Right. Once and for all. I don't know. I, I you're lucky. Don't you're lucky to have forgotten once. it. Yeah, and I it's, don't. I, it was awful. It's like all coming back to me as we're. Talking. I it's like Sam Rockwell. It's the most tiresome exchange in 21st century film. I, whoever I think it should be Tony Shalhoub. Ooh, whoever it is. I think it should be Tony Shalhoub, like as a cat. I think it'd be really funny if it was like Janet had a cat. And like the cat is just chasing him around the whole movie. Like he can't. So basically, you're talking about big again. You're talking about Stuart Little. You're setting up like the Marvel equivalent of the Jack Black, Robert Smigel Green Lantern movie from yes, a couple of years ago. Yes, I, I would watch the shit out of that now. I at read the, the script. Time, yeah. 
at the time, I was like, oh, my God, that would be awful. These characters need to be respected. I would watch the shit out of that. Did you guys watch the, <laughs> uh, the you know, the, the like the Sizzler reel kind of thing the, that Edgar Wright came up with? No. I like did. showing what, you know, Ant-Man can do. Like, it's a pretty good showcase or at least got some cool powers. Yeah, he does. Like, it shows him flashing, like, back and forth between, like, really small to, to regular size and what you can do with that and, like, what you can do with, like, your trajectory if you switch sizes. Just, and it's I fun. I wonder if, if Nathan Fillion can wear the suit. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed he's a great big fat person now. They'll just, they'll just like, it'll be like a Count Dooku. They'll just put his head right. onto yes. the body of, you know. Of a much, of a 12-year young The guy man. who plays Abe Sapien, right. that guy. No, just, <laughs> just he's not a Superman guy. Doug Jones. Doug All right, let's uh, thank you. If you wrote in, uh, you can you can do so again to contact at fanboy.com. Or if you wanted to leave a voicemail for it, you can do that at 888-FANBOYS, which is 3262697. Um, and if you listen to the Make Comics podcast that came out, episode 50, you'll know that I'm all done with it. So sorry about that. No, thank you very much for listening. Uh, there's 50 of those podcasts there that I did with Andy Schmidt from Comics Experience, and uh, very, 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 very proud of them. Uh, it's the it's one of the most Should meaningful be. things. Josh, Josh had yeah. to had to step down because of the sex scandal that you're going to be hearing about soon. Oh yeah, yeah. Had to distance himself. And <laughs> it's funny because Anthony Weiner totally uh, cribbed my thing, <laughs> which I was kind of pissed off about. So I sent him a picture of my dick. Um, I was really looking forward to episode 75. What happens when you've been doing it for eight years? Yeah, exactly. It, well, it's just ridiculous. I'm, I'm yeah. going to talk about making comics. I have no time to do it. So, Other podcasts that we do. Um, we have some special edition shows for you. Uh, the Wolverine came out, uh, and we have a conversation about that. And then also tomorrow I'll be recording the Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox with the uh, Animation Brain Trust. Um and that will be in your feed now because the way time works. Mm. Um, wasn't great. I don't know what Ryan's going to think about it. I know Chris didn't like it. so um, It's been polarizing. I, I, I have a written review of both uh, the Wolverine and um, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox on the site. And uh, it's all over the place. I believe the comic books that they were based upon were also polarizing. Yes. True. By polarizing, That's... I mean they were good for a while before they weren't. <laughs> it's, it's it's all different things. There are people saying that I loved the comics and I don't like the movie. I didn't like the comics, but I love the movie. I didn't like either of them. I'm in the how camp do people that remember? Because I, like I don't remember how you felt about the comics. You don't remember how I did. <laughs> I People's... don't remember how you felt about the Flashpoint comics. No, I I, I didn't like. like them. I, I was like... very excited about the Canterbury Cricket. I remember That's that. It. Didn't understand it. Right. There's a little bit of irony going on there. I'll be okay. honest. I, th- I I did pick that much up. Let's go to the I, outro section. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Check That'd out be- ifanboy.com for the pick of the week review and more in-depth comic book balls and all the important news and discussion topics. Go to ifanboy.com slash about to see the staff of ifanboy and their social network links. Follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy and stay in touch on facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc. That was a a genuine laugh snort there, by the way. Uh, If you like us, you can write a review on iTunes. I really want to get to 40,000. So that's, you know, if that's a number that helps you get to the goal and you think, oh, I've done it. Forty thousand is where I need to be. Yep. So on on your way to the frapper make, map. Make that happen. Uh, over at the iFan at the iFan no, the iTunes. 
see the thing is we named this around the time that the iMac came out mm-hmm. anyway uh better yet uh be the word of mouth i've actually been seeing a lot of people uh, recommending the show on the on twitter lately uh and I, that's still really cool yeah, i really always like appreciate that. Yeah. yeah totally um so there you go we did it guys we don't need connor Nope. We didn't. We haven't liked him for a long time, so this is just the next logical step. <laughs> He'll be back next week, though. Um, Do you think he will listen to this? I don't a know. little of me goes a long way. I did way. just say I didn't like him, and that he wasn't necessary. Did you think he doesn't know? I've, I've put up a hell of a show for a long uh, time. Lots of stuff. Of, I saw him recently in person, and like, oh, that's right. You left him around your child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are size wise very different. <laughs> I can it's, well imagine it's it's it's, it's bordering on opposite, uh, but their heads are about the same size. So it's <laughs> children are disproportionate, is what I'm saying. I'm so, I'm in this car, <laughs> in my garage, and it's August. He's driving to Mexico. You and didn't I have am, to get in the trunk, is the thing. Like yeah. you could have just sat. It sounded in one the, of the best seats. in there. That's just bad planning. That's it for this week's show. I'm Paul. I'm Jim. Hot as crap in here. I decided not to swear then. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs>